Notice what Jesus said to them in the, the, in the upper room, his disciples. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you, notice, another. Or in, if you've got a King James, it'll say a, a, another comforter or the comforter. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck with Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus had just demonstrated his remarkable love to the disciples by washing their feet. He told them that their loving response should be to keep his commandments. Keeping the commandments of Jesus does speak to our personal morality, yet his emphasis was on love for others and faith in him as demonstrations of obedience to his commandments. The disciples feared that Jesus was abandoning them. However, Jesus explained to them that they wouldn't have less help when he leaves, but that they would have more help because the Father would send another helper. Now here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. This morning we uh, are going to be looking at the conclusion of John chapter 14, and we're also going to take communion together this morning. I'm looking forward to that. You know, we learned in John chapter 10 that Jesus, He is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep. Everybody say, bah. Yes, we are his sheep. And he goes before his sheep, he prepares a way before them, and just as a shepherd over sheep will go into a field and inspect it for poisonous plants and other things that would hurt the sheep, Jesus also goes before us, he prepares a place for us that just like the good shepherd, he will cause us to lie down in green pastures and to lie down beside the still waters. And I'm looking forward to that day when our faith is complete and we are in his presence forevermore, aren't you? I'm looking forward to the rapture when he will take us to this place that he's been building. I believe it's New Jerusalem. And ultimately, he's going to bring that New Jerusalem down to, down to earth in a new heavens and new earth that he will create after the millennial reign of Christ. It tells us about that in Revelation 21 and 22. But Jesus told his disciples what was going to happen before it happened so that they wouldn't be afraid. And we saw at the beginning of the chapter, we saw that. He says, you know, um, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because after not knowing where he was going and, and where he was going and, and where he was going, they couldn't come yet, and that Peter would deny him three times, I think they had reason to feel a little agitation. Wouldn't you feel agitated if the one that you've been serving, the one who was the Messiah, is now? I mean, they, they didn't quite get it. And I'm so glad that uh, I'm not any different than the disciples. And you know, the Lord doesn't expect you to be either. 
We are not super saints. We are not um, superhuman. And I love the fact that God puts these things in the Scripture for us because it helps us to understand that we are not finished yet. God is not finished with you and I. And he'll take the mess. He loves to take the mess. Whatever mess you are today, anybody a mess? I'm a mess. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie to you. At least not about that. (laughs) No, but I'm a mess, and we are all a mess. And, and we're all in these different places of, of understanding of who Jesus is, what he's come to do. So be encouraged in that, because as we look at the disciples, as we look at them foibling and looking at their struggles and their lapses of faith and the silly things, especially that Peter did, I have great comfort because we are in very good company. And, you know, that's what the wonderful thing about being a child of God is we can just be who we are. We don't have to act like anything, right? Doesn't that make you feel better? You know, when you come into this church, you don't have to be anybody else other than who God has made you to be. And that's what makes our gathering together so wonderful. Where else in the world can we have so many different races of people, so many different backgrounds, so many different backgrounds, and yet we can all come here and we can be civil with one another, we can love one another? I mean, it's just unheard of. And yet that's our experience. And why is that? Because of him, because of Jesus Christ. He is the unifier. He is the one who brings unity. We just step into that unity and we enjoy it. And so they didn't know, so they had every reason to believe, uh, to be, for their heart to be troubled, at least at that point, because they didn't understand yet. And, and I really appreciate that. And although his disciples believed in him, again, they didn't have it all together. Just as we don't have it all together. But before Jesus came into Jerusalem the last time, he told his disciples on at least three occasions. He told them in Matthew chapter 16. He told them in Matthew 17. And finally, in Matthew 20, he says this to them. And this is something that you've heard before. Jesus told them in advance at least three times before he would go to Jerusalem to accomplish his death on the cross and rising from the grave. He said to them in verse 18 of Matthew 20, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed into the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. They didn't quite understand that either until after it had occurred, and yet he told them three times. I mean, if you're like me, I can be slow. And these guys were slow too. I mean, it took them an hour and a half to watch 60 Minutes. Right? That's the way it is with me too. I can be slow at times. But notice now in the passage that we're looking at, beginning in verse 15 today, that he tells them that his departure is near and that he would send another helper. In the New King James Version, it says helper. If you've got a King James, it says comforter. It doesn't matter what you want to call it. The Greek word is parakletos, which means um, is a helper, is somebody who comes alongside them, and we'll look at that shortly. But the Holy Ghost would be their comforter or helper after Jesus' departure. And they needed that help. They were going to be submerged into a time that was going to be very difficult. They would be persecuted. The church in the first century was terribly persecuted by the Romans and even by their fellow Jewish people. Even by the fellow Jews who were zealous for their religion 
and didn't understand that their religion was foretelling everything about Jesus Christ. It was all about him. And yet when he finally came, they tripped over that stumbling block. But they needed that help after Jesus' departure. And you know what? So do we. In the days that we live in today, I believe the days that we live in today are the, the, there's more deception. Jesus said as, he, as, he, as we approach the time of his coming for the church in the rapture, as we approach that time, and certainly as we approach even after the rapture of the church, as the world gets ready for the great tribulation and Jesus' final coming to the earth in his second coming, deception is going to be the hallmark of the time. And we are seeing it right now. You've heard of this mass formation psychosis that's going on, and it is a real, very real thing. People don't know what to believe because of all the deception. The deception is so, so great right now. And if you don't have your head in the scriptures, if, you don't have a, a, if you're not grounded, if you're not abiding in Christ, you're going to be like a sail. You're going to be like a, 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 sailing, a, 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 a sailboat out on a hurricane out in the Gulf of Mexico. You're going to be all over the place. And God doesn't want you to be all over the place. He wants you to be firmly grounded, and you can be. You have to, there, there's a part of it that we have to do as well. We have to take the time. And we have to settle our hearts. I love that last song, Peace. What a great song to, to listen to before you go to bed. I tell you, you listen to that on your headphones or put a timer on and have the song go after that, you're out like a light. But see, we need that. We need that peace. We need that settledness. We need it so badly. And so the Spirit of God is very interested in you right now, especially with what's going on in the world he wants to encourage us. He wants to embolden us. He wants to show us things to come, and he's doing it. He's doing it. And the work of the Holy Spirit has been maligned over the years. Throughout church history, there's been much that has been done, much that has been touted as being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but rather has been under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of error. In fact, Satan has... He has sought to confuse and malign the work of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he wants to discredit Christ and he wants to counterfeit the work of the Holy Spirit. He's been doing a very good job at it, and many churches and many pastors are allowing that craziness to happen in their church. Aberrant things going on in churches that should never be named among the children of God, and yet they are. But whenever, whenever or wherever there is a man or a movement that is lifted up instead of Jesus Christ, that is the spirit of error. It is not the spirit of God working because the work of the Holy Spirit is to do what? It's to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. That's what he has come to do, at least partly. He has come to honor and glorify Jesus. Did you ever notice the, the way that that is? The Spirit of God, the third in the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings glory to Jesus, and Jesus brings glory to his Father. That's the way it works. And yet they are one. They're unified. They are all God. One God in three persons. But we saw it on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God was poured out upon the believers. Many thought that they attributed it to alcohol, that somehow people were drunk. 
And so, again, the enemy trying to come in and malign what had been foretold for centuries that about that specific day, the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God would be poured out upon his church, the devil was right there in the midst of it and trying to malign it, trying to get people to think differently about it. We saw it on the day of Pentecost. We also saw it with Ananias and Sapphira when God was doing such a wonderful thing in the hearts of people as they began to give as other people had needed, had needs. And Ananias and Sapphira wanted to do the same thing, but they were lying and they were hypocrites. And God struck them dead for it. That happened. But today we need to be discerning about the Holy Spirit. In fact, John in his first epistle in chapter 4, he said this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they, be, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So let me ask a question before I go on. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is God. Is that the spirit of truth or the spirit of error? It's the spirit of error. Yes. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. Is it in the world today, the spirit of Antichrist? You better believe it. We're seeing it in Washington, D.C. We're seeing it in the hospitals. We're seeing it in the universities and the colleges all across this wonderful country of ours. The spirit of Antichrist, alive and well. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you, notice, in you, and and I, I bring the emphasis now because of what we're getting into, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, the spirit of Antichrist, the devil himself, Satan. And they... um. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. They're so glad to hear them. But we are of God, and he who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And if Satan attacked the works of Jesus Christ, he will certainly attack the work of and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's been doing it for a long time. And over the next few chapters, in chapters 14, 15, and 16, we're going to see a lot about the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus is still in the upper room uh, after this Passover meal. He is still in the upper room before he would be arrested, before they would go over to the Kidron and, and go over into the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. They're still in that upper room, and they call this the upper room discourse because he's continuing to prepare them for what is coming because he's told them in advance, way in advance, th- at least three times. Now he is at that meal hours before he would be taken and crucified, and he's still preparing them like a good shepherd. I just thought of a new slogan. Like a good shepherd, Jesus Christ is there. (laughs) Sorry about that, it just happened. Um, Yes, but it's true. (laughs) He's still preparing them because he still loves them. And he's preparing them. And aren't you glad, again, we've said this before, but aren't you glad for the word of God because of what it shows us in advance? 
We don't have to worry, folks. We've got the truth, and we know what's coming. We may not know the minutia of the days that we live in. We don't know the things that uh, might happen. We didn't know that there was going to be a, a, um, you know, a hostage event in, in Texas last night or yesterday. We didn't know that, but God has given us the bigger picture. And to me, that's fine with me, because that's all I really need to know, because I need to know that at the end, he is there, and he's with us in the midst of it. Right, And so we're going to be looking at that. And so we're going to find out who the Holy Spirit is, who he is and who he isn't over the next three chapters, and what he has come to do, his work in the life of the believer. And who is the Holy Spirit? We know that he is the third person of the Godhead, or the third person of the Trinity. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, or bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, who is Jesus Christ, the Logos, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So he's the third member of this Trinity, and he is a person. He's not just some kind of impersonal force out there in the universe. And notice that it says that he's a he. He, not a she, not an it. God is not confused with pronouns like so many of the people, so many of the administrators in our schools. He knows who a male is. He knows who a female is. And he has no confusion about that. Why do we? It's because we've been influenced by the spirit of Antichrist. That is why. That's why we need to stand up. Everywhere where you hear that nonsense, we need to be lovingly rebuke it. Lovingly rebuke it. But the Holy Spirit can also be grieved. It tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 30, that the Spirit of God can be grieved. You can't grieve an impersonal force. You can't grieve something that you can't see. No, he's a real person. You can grieve him. And also, you can resist him. In Acts 7, verse 51, you can resist the Holy Spirit. God, help us if we resist him. I've done enough resisting him. I don't want to resist him anymore. I want him to have full sway in my heart. Don't you? I don't know. Do you? I hope we say yes. Because that is where our life in Christ really begins. And that's the joy of being a Christian is letting him have every bit of you, every bit of you. Don't resist him. Give him everything, unfettered access. Lord, consume me. Shine the searchlight of your spirit on this dark soul and remove everything and anything that is opposed to you. And I can also quench him. In Thessalonians 5, verse 19, it says that we can quench the Holy Spirit. That's like a flame. You can take that flame and you can pour water on it. And God help you if you do. You'll be one of the most miserable Christians in the world if you quench the Spirit. How would you feel if you quenched your, the person that you love the most? Maybe it's your spouse. If you're always a wet blanket on them, what's going to happen? It's, it's, gonna, it's not going to be a happy relationship, is it? And it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault because of what you have done. And God will continue to make overtures into your life, but don't think for a minute that you're not going to have the consequence of that quenching. You're going to feel horrible. Many Christians today are feeling horrible because they're, all they're doing is resisting and quenching the Spirit of God. And they're grieving Him because they are doing things they know they ought not to do, and He's encouraged them over and over again, and they just keep putting up their hand. Nope, 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 nope. And God says, okay. And many people live miserable Christian lives. It doesn't mean that they're not going to heaven. 
but they're going to be miserable. So let's read. Verse 15, we already looked at the first uh, 14 verses, but let's look at John chapter 14. We'll just read from verse 15 down to the end of the chapter. Notice what Jesus said to them in in the upper room, his disciples. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you, notice, another or in, if you've got a King James, it'll say a, a, another comforter or the comforter. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Underline that phrase. He is with you and he will be in you. That is so critical to understand. He is with you, and he will be in you. Two of the three different relationships that we're going to look at with with the Holy Spirit. Notice what Jesus said. He says, and I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He says, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you you will also live. And at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Notice again the dependence that Jesus had on the Father. He wasn't a loose cannon. He was completely in sync with his Father. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're not, they don't have differences of opinion. They are all one. And so they, everything they do is of the same heart, the same motivation, everything that they do. These things, he says in verse 25, I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, or the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. And let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. And if you love me, you would rejoice, because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, again, I love that, Jesus the Good Shepherd, telling them ahead of time, preparing them. That's all this meal, all this um, this dialogue, that, or this what Jesus is sharing with them right now, that's what it's all about. It's preparing them. They need preparation because the proof of it is when he was arrested, what happened? Did they all stay with him because they were well prepared? Jesus prepared for them well. He prepared them, but they all scattered. They still didn't quite get it, but it wasn't because of something he didn't do. No, he gave them every opportunity And I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, and let us be going.
Arise and let us be going. Let's go back to verse 1 here. Notice what it says there, if. I would encourage you to underline the word if. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.